So our reading uh, is from Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, in fact, the whole chapter, 1 to 22, and uh, it's on page 61 of the Bibles. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live. That each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken away from it. God does it so that, his, so that people will fear him. Whatever is has already been, and what will be has been before, and God will call the past to account. And I saw something else under the sun. In the place of judgment, wickedness was there. In the place of justice, wickedness was there. I said to myself, God will bring into judgment both the righteous and the wicked, for there will be a time for every activity, a time to judge every deed. I also said to myself, as for humans, God tests them so that they may see that they are like the animals. Surely the fate of human beings is like that of the animals. The same fate awaits them both. As one dies, so dies the other. All have the same breath. Humans have no advantage over animals. Everything is meaningless. All go to the same place. All come from dust, and to dust all return. Who knows if the human spirit rises upward, and if the spirit of the animal goes down into the earth. So I saw that there is nothing better for a person than to enjoy their work because that is their lot. For who can bring them to see what will happen after them? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Indeed. 
Well, we're going to start this morning with a quiz. I realize it's not a family service, and you may feel a quiz a little bit out of place here, but this is a quiz for adults. Uh, and it's really very simple. Uh, we're going to listen to some music, and then there are going to be five questions, or four questions, I can't remember quite which it is, uh, and um, we'll go on from there. So first of all, may we listen to the music? Thank you very much. I'm afraid we're having to stop early. We can't have the whole thing. I'm sorry about that. Um, but uh, we come to, to the questions. Now, um, first of all, what is this song called? What is its title? It is, yes? It isn't the Beatles. It isn't the Beatles, but a similar time, funnily enough. Uh, other offer Turn, turn, turn is right. Thank you. Uh, and secondly... Um, who sang this song? Yes, Bird. the birds is correct. Well done. Uh, incidentally, just to complete the question, how do you spell birds? B what? Correct. B y r d s. And when was this particular song uh, a big hit? Uh, well, 60s is right. Well done. Yes, but we want the actual year, please. Um, any offers? Yes? 65 is correct. Well done. Right, final question. Where do the words, where do the words of this song come from? The Bible, yes. Uh, Ecclesiastes what? Three. Thank you very much. Right, well, uh, that, in fact, is the first eight verses of chapter three, but uh, we're going to be looking at the whole chapter, so we really need to pray for wisdom that we may be able to understand what we read. Let's bow our heads and pray. Oh, Lord God, we do indeed come to you today to pray for wisdom as we consider the teaching of this great chapter. We pray that you will send your Holy Spirit to us that he may guide us and direct our thinking, and that we may grow in grace and in our knowledge of you. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen. Well, we've got one or two slides, so uh, if we may, here is the first one. Uh, and that tells us that the message of this chapter is really divided into two. Uh, normal human activity, in the first part, and divine activity, Separate, uh, second, and uh, I think the first heading is the next one I want to see, the, that's it, normal human activity uh, is the heading for the first bit. 
I just want to emphasize that phrase there, normal human activity. Uh, this is what he's describing. The, the writer is not actually here telling us how to live the Christian life. I mean, he doesn't actually know anything about the Christian life. He's about a thousand years before Jesus. Um, but what he is describing is not Christian activity, but what God tells us here is human activity. It's a description of human activity with all its joys and frustrations, with its achievements and limitations. And our author is, passing, is pursuing his observations of human life to see if he can perhaps find the meaning of life in it. So far, chapters one and two, the last two weeks, uh, so far, our author's researches have come to very negative conclusions. Uh, most frequently, the assessment is, in one word, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. In fact, this word meaningless it comes 35 times in Ecclesiastes. I was amazed at that. The number of times it is in Ecclesiastes, 35. And already in the first two chapters, we've had 12 occurrences of the word meaningless, of which two come right at the end of chapter 2, just before our passage today of chapter 3. So chapter 2, verse 23, says, All their days their work is grief and pain. Actually, we normally say pain and grief, don't we? But anyway, whichever way, it's the same thing. All their days their work is grief and pain. Even at night their minds do not rest. This, too, is meaningless. Um, and then verse 26, the last verse of that chapter uh, regarding the storing up of wealth to give to someone else. This, too, is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. So when we come to chapter 3, our expectations, quite frankly, are pretty low. Uh, we find that there's a list here of 28 human activities, it's a fairly random selection. I mean, there could be more, but at any rate, we've got 28. Uh, more might perhaps have made his case stronger for what he's trying to say, I'm not sure. But we anticipate a rather negative rating on all these things that are mentioned at the beginning of chapter 3. Um, that They're probably going to turn out to be meaningless. Uh, in fact, they're more or less a complete waste of time. Is that what he says? in this chapter? No, it isn't. On the contrary, we discover that the author affirms these human activities. So, verse 1, we read, There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. There is a time for them. There's a time when this particular uh, aspect of living is appropriate, is right and good. There are other times we should turn from it when it's not helpful. So we'll just look at uh, a few of these couplets. Uh, the author does repeat his phrase, 
there is a time, a time, a time, again and again. Um, and in verse 2, he says, there is a time to be born and a time to die. So what he's saying covers our whole lifespan from birth to death. Uh, and then notice in uh, verse 2, again, 2b, uh, there's a time to plant and a time to uproot. Gardeners, please be alert. And then, uh, depending on life's events, we may be happy or sad. We may weep or we may laugh, verse 4. We may mourn or we may dance. Well, some of us may dance. Um, and then verse 5, uh, look at that one. Verse 5, there is, second half, there is a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. In other words, there's a right time to make love and there's a time when we should not take the relationship in that direction. Verse 7, there is a time to be silent, it's second half again, a time to be silent and a time to speak. Uh, and it's so important, isn't it, just to know when it's our turn. We so easily get, us, get it wrong. I mean, our mouths let us down. Mine does. Uh, it's terribly easy to be saying the wrong thing or saying it in the wrong sort of way. There's a time to be silent and there's a time to speak. And the last one I was going to have, I missed it, uh, verse 6. There's a time to keep and a time to throw away. I mean, that's a shrewd one, isn't it, quite honestly. Don't we all find it far easier to keep stuff? You know, put it in the loft, put it in the garage, put it in the uh, living room. I mean, put it anywhere, but don't throw it away. I mean, that, that is just such a difficult thing to do. See, the thing is that when you throw something away, there has to be a decision, a decision to throw it away. But if you keep it, there's no decision at all, is there? You just keep it. We all keep too much. We realize that as soon as we get to moving house. Oh dear, oh dear, what am I going to do with this, that, and the other? Anyway, uh, none of these things and none of these, uh, these couplets of, of opposites, uh, none of them can actually give us the meaning of life. But they do teach us all the different aspects of it. Uh, it it's rather as though these different qualities, which, as I said, are... Um, are opposites, it's like a pendulum swinging like this in a grandfather clock, back and forth, tick, tock, tick, tock. In those days it used to just mean tick, tock, a clock. Uh, um, uh, so, yes, that, it's very like that, isn't it? That is what life under the sun is like. In fact, you see a sort of sun-like thing uh, a, a, above all these, um, above the, where, where the, uh, the, the uh, pendulum, that's the word, uh, above where the pendulum is swinging backwards and forwards, you see a little circle, and in it the words, tempus fugit. Tempus fugit, it means time flies. Mankind can't change it. That's the human situation. We live under uh, the sun, and uh, time is pass rapidly passing. What then can we say about life under the sun? Well, we can affirm it. 
For God has made everything beautiful in its time. That's the beginning of verse 11. And we can say life is good, just as the author of Genesis does. God saw everything and he saw that it was very good. Provided we're prepared to work hard and agree with this uh, emphasis on toiling. Look at verse Verse 9, what do workers gain from their toil? And verse 13, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. Have you had a tough week? Has work been hard? Or are you slacking off a bit? Well, here it says, each of us may find satisfaction in their toil, even though it is hard work. Toil goes with life under time. And therefore, we shouldn't expect too much of this life which we're now living. Well, so much then for human activity in time. What about God's activity in eternity? And we want, here we are, the next uh, slide, which uh, tells us something about God's activity in eternity. There are, in fact, eight references to God in this chapter. That's a lot. There are many chapters in the Old Testament which don't have anything like that many references to God. In a way, we're quite surprised by that because we think, we get so captivated by this idea of toil and hard work and it's all a bit of a strain and so on and so forth. And we forget that actually the author has got a lot to say about God. We can't follow all these references up in detail. But what about it? Well, there is a very important assertion in verse 11. I referred to him a moment ago, he made everything beautiful in its time, but the line I want now is the next one. Again, verse 11, he has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. He has set eternity in the human heart. Now, that's an interesting statement. I mean, I don't know how you're feeling in your heart today. Uh, heart must mean devotion to God here. And how are we reacting to him? What, are we wanting to know him? See, God has given to human beings inklings of eternity. That is to say, we all have a sort of awareness of uh, eternity God has given this to us. He has set eternity in the human heart. And there's a consciousness, therefore, of something beyond all those human activities in verses 2 to 8. There's a sort of longing for eternity. Why? Because God put it there. Now, that does not mean that people can therefore understand eternity. In fact, verse 11, the end of verse 11 says, uh, no one can fathom what God has done, God's activity now, divine activity, no one can fathom what God has done, uh, what God has done from beginning to end. So, if we can't fathom it, but we've got this feeling about it, what should our reaction be? Well, surely it does mean that we should be waking up to the reality 
of eternity. Only what God does lasts forever. Only what God does lasts forever. Uh, what he does cannot be altered. Verse 14, I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. God does it so that people will fear him. It's very striking that, isn't it? God puts us through a certain amount of difficulties and a longing for eternity and so forth. God puts us through these things for a reason. It is so that people will fear him, verse 14, end of. Uh, and this is an important focus to bring to mind when, for example, we are engaging in evangelism and outreach. We need to, to get this, uh, this note across somehow um, and that uh, people might come to realize that uh, time as such is running out. Our eternal Lord Jesus will soon be here and he has given us sufficient uh, awareness of eternity to make us want to seek it. There was a man called Arthur Stace. He lived in Sydney. Some of you may have heard of him. Uh, and he was very concerned that the citizens of Sydney should know about and respond to God's divine activity in eternity. And what could he do? Uh, Mr. Stace, or Arthur Stace, as I understand, uh, he, he couldn't preach. Uh, he... I think, had ill health, which meant that he couldn't sort of go around visiting people. But he was determined to get the message of eternity across to the minds of the citizens of Sydney. So he went out every night with a, a, a sort of large stick of chalk. And with his chalk, he wrote the word eternity on the pavements of Sydney. Uh, in beautiful copper plate writing. And in the morning, the citizens of, uh, citizens of Sydney awoke and they went out and they went out of the hotel or whatever and they saw, what's that say? It says eternity. Then they went to a shop just outside. Eternity. Eternity. Thought, what's all this? What is eternity? There's exactly what is eternity. And have you, citizen of Sydney, have you begun to respond to it? You see, most of us, we don't uh, give eternity, or many of us, many of us, we don't give to eternity the attention which we should give. Now, second point, judgment. Judgment is a fact of life, and it is God's activity. Uh, he holds man accountable. We might say accountability in, as, alongside judgment there. And if we look at verse 15, we see this. Whatever is has already been, and whatever has been before, God will call the past into account. That's a striking way of putting it, isn't it? Uh, God will call the past into, the account, in, sorry, into account. And this will involve both the uh, righteous and the wicked. So in verse 17, having pointed out that human judgment is imperfect and sinful 
and sometimes wrong in verse 16. In verse 17, we see that both the righteous and the wicked uh, are going to come into this judgment. God will bring into judgment both the righteous and the wicked, for there will be a time for every activity, a time to judge every deed. And the point is, you see, that God's judgment is absolutely perfect and righteous, not like our judgment is, sadly, sometimes, uh, with interminable, or it seems like interminable delays, sometimes afflicting our law courts and so on. The human judgment, you see, is defective. Um, and therefore, what we need is God's judgment. Uh, every deed and all people, verse 17 again, there will be a time to judge every activity, a time to judge every deed. And in the New Testament it says that uh, we will all stand before God's judgment seat. And dear friends, this is something that we need to know about and come to terms with or, and to recognize that uh, standing before God's judgment seat will not be a comfortable experience because we are made aware of the fact of our sin and wrongdoing. But the good news, of course, is that if we are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, then God's judgment has already fallen on him. He has taken the penalty for our sins in our place. And we can be absolutely sure of that. And that is a mighty encouragement if we are aware of the way in which we're so often sinful. Uh, God will indeed hold us accountable, but we will rejoice in the truth of the gospel. So uh, God will bring into judgment both the righteous and the wicked, for there will be a time for every activity, a time to judge every deed. All those deeds in verses 2 to 8, God will judge them. Then thirdly and finally, uh, reality, verses 18 to 21. Now what I mean by reality is this, that God wants mankind to understand the reality of uh, what we are actually like. And uh, how does he bring this about? Well, by testing them in verse 18. God tests them. And I also said to myself, it possibly repeats that phrase, this is a difficult patch for him, I don't know. But anyway, I also said to myself, as for humans, God tests them so that they may see that they are like the animals. See, the reality is that in many ways, and that at one level, the merely physical level, uh, this is, is so, isn't it? I mean, we have the same mortality. We all face death. The animals face death. We face death. Uh, breath is the same, he says. We breathe the same air. Humans, verse uh, 19, have no advantage over animals. Everything is meaningless. Indeed, it would be meaningless if there were not the gospel to transform us. Uh, it won't be, get beyond meaningless in the book of Ecclesiastes. The same destiny for both man and animals. 
again, verse 20, where it says, All go to the same place. All come from dust, and to dust all return. Who knows if the human spirit rises upwards and the spirit of the animal goes down into the earth. Uh, it's a reminder of what God said to Adam after the rebellion in the Garden of Eden. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. And the teacher doesn't really know enough to answer the question, of to, to assess this correctly. So he, he admits it. He just says, well, who knows? Uh, his knowledge is very limited. This is not, the, we're not finding the full gospel here in uh, Ecclesiastes 3, but we are aware that the author is quite willing to admit his own shortcomings and the limits of his own wisdom. And the thing is that whereas we, uh, are, we enjoy all sorts of different experiences, and as we also are called to work, what did it say back in 12? I know there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. Uh, this is, I mean, makes the point clearly to us about the importance of work and so forth, but uh, it won't tell you, it won't give you your eternal destiny, as we saw at the beginning. Uh, but it's the best you can do. To know what our eternal destiny is uh, and how we may come to understand it, we need, I was going to say something else, but actually I mean someone else. We need the one who has brought life and immortality to life, to light through the gospel. So a wonderful verse that in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 10, says that uh, Jesus is the one who has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So life and immortality uh, were unknown uh, in the day of the teacher uh, because they had not been brought to light. They're only brought to light through the gospel. Human activity and academic study will not bring them to light. We need the one whom the teacher did not know, the one who came anything up to a thousand years later. Uh, he came specifically for this, to make, us known, make God known to us, the Lord Jesus. John chapter 1, verse 18 says this, no one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God, has made him known. And if we follow him, well then our lives will no longer be limited by uh, time and the dominance of time, but we shall have and will have come to know the secret of eternity. Let us pray. O oh God, our Father, we uh, do acknowledge that our natural selves and natural lives are very uh, inadequate. They cannot lead us to know you. And we want to praise you with all our hearts for sending the Lord Jesus 
to bring life and immortality to light through the gospel. Ah, the one and only Son, who is himself God, who has made him known. We praise you for this, and we pray that we may so believe and trust in the Lord Jesus that we may rejoice in that light and life and immortality which you give to all who trust in him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.